Let's get socially deconstructed. Hey, what's up? We are back. And today we have a very special episode with a guest that I cannot wait to pick his brain. We have board certified LA-based plastic surgeon, Dr. Elliot Hirsch. Hello, Dr. Hirsch. Hey, how you doing? So you have been a plastic surgeon for almost 14 years. For the last three years, you've been on LA Magazine's top doctors list. And you also have your own podcast, Below the Surface. And you, of course, talk about surgical experience, but you have some really fun guests, celebrities, experts that you talk about mental health, various things with. What made you want to start doing the podcast? Well, we kind of got into it uh, around March of last year when, when the pandemic started. Because we had been talking about it for a while, but when we weren't operating due to the, the situation in the hospitals, yeah. uh, we decided that this is a good time to get it going. And so initially, the, the concept behind it was to mainly talk to our patients about their surgical experiences so that we could have other patients understand what you were going to experience. But then as we got through some of that, we realized that I have a lot of interesting patients who <laughs> do interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> So then we decided to just kind of explore further with them. And a lot of the people who um, have been on the show have been our patients. And it's just a fun way to get to know them a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And what areas do you specialize in or do you do everything? I do a little bit of everything, but probably my, my main specialty is breast surgery. We have, we have cancer patients who mm-hmm. have reconstructive breast surgery. We have uh, patients who need reductions. We have augmentations. We have implants in, we have implants out lifting. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do to the breast. Well, let's start there. Let's talk about the simple difference between plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery. Am I saying that right? Are those the differences or are they named something else? I would say, I would say reconstructive surgery and cosmetic surgery. Yes. Okay. So technically definition of reconstructive surgery would be uh, surgery to bring you back to what's considered normal. Hmm. So if you have a breast cancer and you, they have to remove your breast, you would have surgery to rebuild the breast. Then, then cosmetic surgery would be surgery to make what you have look better. So if you want bigger breasts, smaller breasts, a breast lift, that's something that'd be considered cosmetic. So obviously, you know, we all know society is always has their eyes on who has work done, who <laughs> uh, people trying to guess, people caring way too much about what other people are doing. And I think one of the assumptions about plastic surgery is someone will walk into your office, say, I want a new nose. And then you're like, okay. (laughs) And then (laughs) that's it. Can you clear that up? Tell us a little bit about the process of committing to a plastic surgery. So a lot of it has to do with expectations. And number one, understanding what the patient's expectations are, uh, making sure that they're reasonable, making sure that it's something that can be achieved. And so that's kind of when I see a patient for the first time, our first visit, I'm just trying to get to know them a little bit and understand really like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? So they come in and you don't say, I want to do this operation. You would say, you know, you wouldn't come in and say, I need to have a breast lift with implants. You would say, this is what my breasts look like. This is what my goals are. How can I achieve this? And then we would, we would talk together about what it is you actually need. So that's kind of like the initial process. And then as you get to know the patients better, you're able to work with that and hone in 
and kind of figure out how to achieve what they want to achieve. Do you often get people in that like bring a picture and say, I want to look like this person or a face tuned photo of themselves from Instagram, <laughs> anything like that has, have times changed since Instagram has gotten bigger and we can look at ourselves a different way at all times. You know, it's, it's funny. What I usually get from patients, it's not so much pictures of celebrities, it's pictures of, of themselves when they were younger. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's like, I have a lot of pe people who used to be models and uh, the patients who used to be models come in with pictures of their modeling, sometimes from Playboy or from other model uh, magazines. And they say, this is what I look like. Can I look like this? And I'd say, well, you know, you've had four kids and <laughs> 25 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that tends to age you a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's, it's more of that. And then, but you know, Instagram, social media has definitely had an effect. And I think what it's done is it's, it's kind of made the, we talked a little bit about um, kind of how social media distorts your perception of what's real. Uh, we call it Snapchat dysmorphia. Okay. And so you, you get more of like this, yes, I'm seeing somebody on Instagram. Can I look like this? And you say, well, you know, the way that she's standing, she's sticking her butt out. She's stuck, sucking her stomach in and that's just the angle. So no, I mean, that's not, you can't do that. It's, it's not possible. Nobody can do that. So we right. see a little bit of that too. Something I'm an actor, something I wish everybody understood that there's very specific lighting, very specific angles, <laughs> very specific everything to when anyone's on camera. Of course. And the same goes course. for anything in entertainment. It is done as perfect as possible and it takes a really long time. It's not Instagram photo quick. So that's very yep, interesting. And, and the actors and actresses and the models, they don't wake up in the morning looking like that either. You know, there's there's certain things that they're doing to kind of get, and I'm sure you know, <laughs> right? To get ready. Absolutely, hours and hours, grueling. Yep. Hours and hours. Do you have you noticed a difference between uh, men and women coming in now that times are progressing? Different types of entertainment are becoming more popular. Are there more men than usual? Uh, what we see, it, it kind of varies, and. Uh, what we see for men, we see more liposuction and gynecomastia surgery, which is more of male breast uh, removal or revision. Got so that, that's kind of what I'm seeing more from the men. And it's a little bit different for everybody, but uh, women tend to be more along the traditional lines of your non-surgical treatments like Botox fillers, lasers. I mean, some men come for that, but mostly women. And then their surgical treatments are more breast, body, eyelids, that type of thing. Whereas men are, I get a lot of gynecomastia, male breast development and a lot of liposuction. Wait, what is that exactly? Uh, gynecomastia? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes men get, uh, it's not, sometimes it's fatty where you, you have, a, somebody mm. just has fat collecting in their chest and looks like a breast, but oftentimes it's actually glandular tissue that, that needs to be removed. Oh, and they wouldn't know that prior to seeing you, correct? Well, they often do. And they, they oh. come in with their chest looking a certain way. They say, can you make my chest flatter? And then oftentimes they've been seen by the regular internist and they've done like hormone evaluations and maybe even imaging like an ultrasound or, or a mammogram just to make sure it's nothing cancerous or suspicious. And then mm -hmm. once they've kind of ruled that out, I see them and say, okay, this is how we can make your chest a little bit flatter. Ah, interesting. Back in the day, maybe the early 2000s, I think 
an episode of True Life on MTV mm-hmm. showed male plastic surgery and it was calf implants. <laughs> Is that still I remember a thing? that guy. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I remember watching the episode. <laughs> there, it looks like cans, like plastic yeah. cans in the back of your leg. Yeah, I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No more questions yeah. to ask about that then. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be a good thing. Yeah. It's like a train wreck. You know, you can't look away from something like that. You're, yeah, you're, you're flipping like, through the channels on Saturday morning and oof, <laughs> I gotta watch this. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? You can't skip it. Yeah, it, skip it. Things like botched. How do you feel mm-hmm. about shows like that? Uh, I don't generally watch them because I don't need to see more of what I do it. on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of the stuff on there is it's kind of sensationalized where uh, my wife showed me a picture of our video of what they were doing was fixing somebody's earlobes who had a big stretched out earlobes. Mm. And th- they had a whole procedure with it and was like in the operating with anesthesia and it took a long time. And she said, do you ever do that? And I said, yeah, it takes like half an hour. I do them awake in the office. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that, that being said, though, I think the, the surgeons are, they're doing the right thing and mm-hmm. uh, they're both board certified. And so I, I, what, what their message is, I support. And I think it's, yeah. it's a good thing for the industry. Absolutely. I mean, the coolest part is when people are on that have like birth defect, something that they haven't been able to fix, or like you're saying, cancer has affected them in some way. It's usually a good mix of Mm -hmm. someone went to Rosarito and made a mistake (laughs) and someone just needs some help and everybody needs help. So I like it too. We see the Rosarito thing all the time uh, where somebody goes to, yeah, Mexico and has surgery. And uh, actually I had a patient this last week who had, she had a tummy tuck in Mexico uh, two months ago. And, um, and she, she had some issues post-op and she couldn't get back to see her surgeon and they couldn't, weren't available through the phone. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, you had surgery and now it's, it's hard to manage something like that afterwards. Yeah. So what do you do? Like, do you have to go back in and look at what they actually did? No, it's, it's, you kind of, the, the best way to handle it is number one, just make sure they're not having like a serious life-threatening issue. Mm-hmm. And if they're not having a serious life-threatening issue, if this is just something that needs some time to settle out, or if it's something that, you know, if it's a cosmetic result that's not desirable, then I generally will tell them, look, you know, you can follow up with your surgeon and um, see what they say about it. But if you want me to revise it and surgically change it, we can do that. But, you know, this is, this is the process. And people basically end up going there just because of cost, Right. Yeah, it's almost always cost. And every once in a while, they've got family down there. They know people. Uh, they usually, it's, I knew my sister's friend or my, my cousin's aunt had surgery and everything went fine. And when I did it, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, it's Mexico. <laughs> and you get what you pay for kind of situation. Sometimes, yes. But I, I mean, I've seen good stuff that's happened outside the U.S. I'm not saying mm-hmm. there's no good plastic surgery, but um, as a general rule of thumb, you got to make sure you can follow up with your surgeon. and You would yeah. not want to do something and then not be able to see them afterwards. So do they just disappear intentionally after they do surgeries or what was, what would be a reason why someone couldn't get back in touch with them? Well, sometimes it's, it's cost. Uh, Cause you know, you have to take time off work. You have to drive down. Uh, I had a couple of patients who had all had surgery at the same place in Costa Rica. And they say it was just, you know, they're having some issues, but they didn't want to spend another six, $700 to fly back down there. Um, and sometimes, like you said, sometimes the, the clinics are just not available. Come on guys, <laughs> be yeah, careful. Not, not a good thing. Not a good People thing. are so risky. I would never yeah. in my life. 
No, me neither. Let's say someone is looking into getting any surgery at all, whether it's by choice cosmetic or they need reconstruction of some type. What kind of research, what kind of questions do you recommend they ask so they get into a safe situation? Probably the the best thing you can ask is, are you a board certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon? And the American uh, American Society of Plastic Surgeons, which is our, one of our national societies, uh, they did a big push recently, kind of educating patients on board certification and the differences between different types of board certification. Mm. And uh, after all this push that they did, I often will ask the people I work with in the operating room, do you know the difference between a board certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon or a board certified cosmetic surgeon? And even anesthesiologists don't know the difference. So, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion out there about the different levels of board certification. And so to tell your listeners, a board certified plastic reconstructive surgeon is somebody who has done a full plastic and reconstructive surgery uh, residency. And that's usually Mm -hmm. six, between five and seven years. And oftentimes it's after general surgery where you have five years general surgery and another three years of plastic surgery. And that's somebody who's been trained from head to toe and they can operate on almost any part of the body. Um, you also have something called the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery, which is not in, not a recognized board by the the board um, the board uh, um, what's the word, organization, where mm-hmm. they may it may be a dermatologist who did a, a one year training thing, it may be a general surgeon who did a one year training thing. Um, sometimes it could even be like a gynecologist, and you have a lot of people doing surgeries that don't necessarily have the background, the training to do them. And so when you go see your, the person who you're interested in performing the surgery with, you should ask them, are you a board certified plastic or reconstructive surgeon? And mm-hmm. if the answer is yes, then you know that's a certain level of expertise that you're going to get. You know what, guys? Just call first. <laughs> <laughs> call first and ask. Don't go there. Uh, why would a surgeon want to do work that they're not perfect in, I guess, an expert in? Well, there's, you know, there's a certain level of, um, sort of level of procedure where you can kind of do an operation, even if you haven't done a thousand of them Got and it. get a pretty good result. And so things like that, where, yeah, maybe it's, it's a little more nuanced. It's a little more streamlined. You can kind of get away with it though. If, if you go to somebody who's not an expert in it. Um, but that what it really comes down to is managing problems that happen. Yeah. And that's where you need somebody who knows what they're doing. Because I mean, I could tell you so many stories of patients who've had surgeries by maybe people who necessarily shouldn't have been doing them. And mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of handled problems that have come up. And so when I, when I have problems and, you know, complications happen and there's no way to avoid them, there's some things that are beyond your control. I could 99.9% of them, I can handle them or get the patient where they need to be. Um, every once in a great while, something comes up and I have to have somebody help me with it. But for somebody to not be able to handle complications, you know, that's a tough problem. Yeah. The scariest problem. The scariest problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Know what to do. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, board certified. Don't forget it. Board certified. Plastic <laughs> reconstructive surgery. Everything. Board certified always, <laughs> no matter who you're going to see. I don't care who it is. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So there are a lot of listeners that have been sending me DMs, hitting me up, talking about post extreme weight loss surgery and just kind of having conversation uh, with me personally. Am I going to do it? Am I afraid of it? 
do I know anything about it? The answer is, I don't know, I don't know, and no. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that everybody would love to just hear more. I think the only thing any of us actually know about it is from reality TV. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, biggest loser type stuff that sure. reality escapes us in that as well. Mm-hmm. So first of all, what where does a person need to be at before they can be considered to actually get these different types of surgeries? Well, I think kind of backing up a little bit, um, you know, there's kind of, there's a, there's a two-part process here. The first part of the process is losing weight. Yeah. And what, what I think that people don't realize about when they get to that level of the massive obesity is that there's actually, there are actually fundamental metabolic changes that happen in your body. And you can't always reverse them with diet and exercise. And so when you have somebody who's been obese for a long time, um, then they may actually need that gastric sleeve or the bypass or Mm -hmm. some type of lap band, some type of surgery to help reverse those metabolic changes because they've studied this and you can kind of get stuck at a weight. But if you have the surgery, it does undo some of the changes and all of a sudden you're allowed to lose weight. Interesting. And that is basically just the shrinking of the stomach? Yeah, there's different ways of doing it. Uh, you can shrink the stomach, you can re- reroute some of the intestines. Um, <laughs> there's just, <laughs> there's just different, different ways of doing it. Okay. So let's say a person has either gotten that surgery and got down mm-hmm. to a certain point or lost the weight on their own. Do they have to be at a certain, first of all, do you believe in BMI? Do we believe in BMI? Yeah. We do. We do believe in okay. BMI, yes. BMI is important. Important. Okay. Yeah. So then do you have to be at a certain BMI then before you are to get these types of surgeries? Well, it, it's a different process for everybody. Uh-huh. And um, generally what happens is after your sleeve or your lap band or your bypass, whatever type of surgery you do, there's usually a, um, there's usually like a first thing that happens is you lose a ton of weight and it just yeah. plummets off. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of plateau. And then to get through the plateau, that's where the lifestyle changes come into play, where the diet, the exercise, the healthy living, that will help you get through the plateau and equally as important, maintain your weight. Right. So you don't want to, you don't want to have a lap band or sleeve and, and lose you know, a ton of weight and then have surgery to remove some extra skin that builds up and then gain the weight back. That would be terrible. So you have to yeah. overcome whatever issues caused you to gain the weight before you can uh, have surgery to, to correct some of the changes. And it usually in my practice, I recommend patients be stable at whatever their goal weight is. You got to get there and be stable at that goal weight for at least three months, just kind of like as a, as a first step. Watching, I mean, reality shows. I've re- I don't watch that much reality, just so you know. I've referred to it a lot. <laughs> I don't watch that much. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Uh huh. <laughs> um, shows like My Six Hundred Pound Life. Have you uh-huh. seen that one? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. There's so many scary situations where you know people get to a certain point and then it's Im- nearly impossible for them to get back down because immobility. Yeah. And then once they get the surgery, there are you know fifty percent of the time they gain the weight back. Yeah. What would that do to someone that had a surgery like that? Cause you said metabolically people change does something mm-hmm. then reverse again, or is it just kind of, it's different for everybody, obviously, but what are the risks there? 
Well, it's, you know, the surgery is going to be effective in conjunction with uh, psychological counseling, Mm -hmm. dieting, uh, nutrition, and all all of the different things that come into it. It's not, this is not a one size fits all thing where you can just do the surgery and then you're good to go for the rest of your life. You can eat whatever you want and, and you'll be fine. You have to maintain it. And that's, I think that's the toughest part for patients is being able to really maintain and kind of do the lifestyle things they need to be able to, uh, to stay at that weight. Yeah. So let's say it's the last step you've approved everything and there are multiple surgeries that someone needs. So Mm -hmm. what would it be like? It it depends. It depends on on what's involved and how long it's going to take and the safety of it all. Okay. So it's uh, breasts and arms is a good normal combination. Um, you know, sometimes we'll do stomach and breasts, uh, sometimes we'll do stomach and arms. It just depends on what we're doing because even, even stomach by itself is you could do a regular tummy tuck. You can do something called an extended tummy tuck. You can do like a vertical and horizontal tummy tuck. You can do a corset tummy tuck. And then you have the thing, the procedures for the back. You got a, a reverse body lift, upper body lift, lower body lift, a lot of different operations. And it's, again, it's not at all a one size fits all approach. Got it. And then after you get the surgery, like you were talking about before, what if someone did gain, I mean, gaining normal weight wouldn't be a big deal, right? You fluctuate between 10 pounds. You're cool with that. Not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But extreme weight gain again, is there anything that has to do with the surgery that would be negatively affecting the body more than just what negatively affects it any? Well, it, it's not so much a question of um, does the reconstructive surgery or the, in, you know, the removing the skin of the stomach, the breast, whatever, it's not so much that that's going to cause metabolic changes. It's, it's just that if you, if you do a tummy tuck and then you gain weight, it's not going to look very good because you removed all that skin. And so what, what usually happens is that the, the weight that you gain will reaccumulate differently and it may accumulate inside your stomach rather than outside your stomach. And so when you see somebody who's had a tummy tuck and they gain weight afterwards, uh-huh. uh, oftentimes they have like kind of a hard, tight stomach and it's very round, like a barrel, because mm. when you remove the skin, usually if you're going to gain weight in your stomach, but you remove that skin, it's got to go somewhere. So it ends up intra-abdominal and it can actually um, not look good at all. <laughs> Is that something that you, obviously we don't recommend this happening, but would you be able to fix something like that? Or is that? Diet and exercise. Yep. Yeah. You can't surgery. You're not going to remove intra-abdominal fat. You can't do that. Uh, nobody <laughs> wants it anyway. That sounds... No, 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 no. <laughs> a little scary. Well, that's very good to know, all of those things. Have you done a lot of those surgeries? We do, yeah. It's, it's a, f- a fair amount of what I do is is uh, breast and body contouring like that. Okay. Is it mostly because of things like weight loss? Or I'm sure you deal or deal with like burn victims, things like that. Yeah. Every now and again. And we, we actually, I saw a patient a couple of days ago who had a burn when she was younger and she, uh, one of her nipples is gone and we were going to do a nipple and areola reconstruction. Mm. And so there's a fair amount of stuff like that or cancer. Uh, that's a common one we see, uh, that, that necessitates reconstruction, but uh, you know what the biggest, one of the biggest, uh, factors for somebody needing contouring of their stomach or breast is actually pregnancy. <laughs> oh, so you gain weight during pregnancy, you got a baby. Um, 
if you gain weight or have a baby, what happens with the skin on your stomach, it's, it's not so much, it's, I mean, it's a stretching of course, but you actually build more skin. And so after mm -hmm. you lose weight, after you, um, after you have a baby, that skin is, it, it bounces, you know, it's still there. It's not like it's going to all of a sudden a new skin that you create, it's, it's not going to disappear. It's still there. And so you have to either leave it alone and accept that you have that saggy skin or you remove it. The human body. <laughs> so scary. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on. We've got a lot of listener questions, so we'll see sure. how many we can get to. But okay. um, actually leading off of that, what are the most rewarding surgeries that you've done or that you can remember? Um, some of the most rewarding ones are actually our, some of our younger patients who have, there's a lot of different congenital breast conditions that pop up where the breasts are like, one of them is really weird looking or not, not symmetric. And a lot of these girls, you know, they start to notice that around middle school when they're changing the locker room and they see how come I don't look like that? Or how come she looks like this? And I look like this. And so we see that fairly commonly. I do a lot of these and it's very rewarding to me to be able to help them kind of rebuild their self-confidence Mm. and help get them back to something that can be considered more normal. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one really important thing that people have to think about when they start staring at people to see if lips are done or to see if breasts are done, whatever it is. Those people are doing what they got to do to feel good about themselves. Yes. And they're clearly more concerned about themselves, which they should be, than what you think of them. Of so maybe... You should think about yourself and leave everybody else alone. Yes, say. <laughs> Absolutely. Focus on yourself. There it is. Always. Or being nice to others. One yes. of the two. So for non-plastic or reconstructive surgery, should patients also consult plastic surgeons if they're having a surgery that could leave major scarring? Uh, you know, as a general rule of thumb, patient scarring is it's a complicated process and I don't typically, I mean, it, it, maybe in a certain situation, I would, I would be available to assist with closing an operation, but usually patients are going to do what they're going to do in terms of scarring. And if there's an issue down the road, you can see your plastic surgeon to help manage the scarring. You know, there's lots of different tricks we have, lasers, uh, microneedling treatments, different medications we can use, um, different creams and gels we can recommend. So it's, it's good from like a planning process, but you know, if you're doing a, a, a colon surgery with your with your large intestine, you know, there's only so much that can be done to help with the scarring because usually the actual surgery is going to be more important. So yeah, the short answer is you can talk to a plastic surgeon, but the general answer is going to be focus on that surgery first, and then we'll deal with the scar later. Got it. Are there any trends that are surprising you right now that are, people are coming in and asking for? Any trendy uh, procedures? There, you know, probably the most, one of the most common things that I do and something that's just been increasing frequency over the years is removing breast implants. Oh. Um, yes. There's a lot of different reasons why women want to do that. But in the past couple of years, we've seen a significant increase in the number of patients who come in saying, you know, I want to get my implants out. I'm done with them. Interesting. Uh, is there an average age of those patients? could be anywhere. You know, I think in, in general for me, it's uh, usually in the early forties. Got it. Uh, I've, I've done that patients in their twenties and I've done that patients in their eighties. So kind of a wide spectrum. So going off of that, one question I was going to ask because butts are in. <laughs> so do you think that's why 
breast implants are coming out and butt implants are going in? <laughs> Has that increased? You know, I, I think that the reason why why butts are more popular now is because of the Kardashians. Absolutely. And yeah, I don't think anybody would argue with that. No. <laughs> and just kind of the, the image that is popular right now is somebody who has a really narrow waist and kind of a big butt. Yeah. And so, um, and so that, I think that's why you're seeing that, but I don't think that's necessarily related to uh, breast implants. What is a butt implant and how do you sit on it without it hurting <laughs> you? So I don't actually do butt implants either. Um, cause that's, that's kind of a, you know, it's a surgery that has a lot of problems and I'm not exactly oh. sure we should be doing that. Mm. Um, but a butt implant, it, it's kind of like a breast implant. It's usually a silicone, uh, bag that we, uh, that we put in. And, um, it's just something to give more rounded appearance to the butt. Got it. So it's basically a different shaped breast implant. Yeah, pretty much. But what if it would pop? Are you well, in trouble? Have the same, yeah, you, you have problems just like you would have a breast implant popped. So you have silicone, it can be leaky, it can make a mess. Ugh. No messes, guys. No, you don't want to get in that situation. <laughs> so to round it off, last question. Mm -hmm. What sure. is a piece of advice that you would give anyone that's thinking about getting, let's say, a cosmetic surgery done? What should the first steps be? Research? Should it be a consultation first? What should it be? I, I think, you know, in, in the past couple of years, we, we've seen kind of a big increase in uh, patients who kind of come from social media, from Facebook, Instagram, that type of thing. And so I would say, um, you know, probably number one is do your research. And so if you see somebody who is on Instagram and they seem to do a lot of surgeries on Instagram, then make sure you check out their website, check out their certification like we talked about. Uh, you could even ask, um, you could even uh, ask your friends or family if, if they know anybody who's done surgery with that person. You could ask your regular medical doctor if they know them. But I would say, like you said, doing research is probably the most important thing. Love it. Well, thank you so much. You've yeah, answered so many questions. I know everyone's <laughs> going to love listening to this. So again, your podcast is called Below the Surface. And when does that come out? Uh, it's on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Yeah. We used to do uh, once a week, but this year we're kind of changing our format a little bit. Uh, we got a lot of good episodes coming out. We're, re we're starting recording again this year in uh, February. Cool. And uh, yeah, so there should be some stuff coming out soon. Available on all platforms, right? Absolutely. All right, guys, go check it out. Go subscribe. Listen to all of his amazing episodes, amazing guests. And thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Hirsch. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. A absolutely. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We would really appreciate it. And we will see you next time.